Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Hi, Mark. We've got a couple of questions for you on cantering, but this time it's from the ground. So there's two questions which I'm going to merge into one. The first one is from Kathleen, and she's wondering how you approach educating a horse that gets tight when asked to canter. So the sort of things he's doing is scrambling his hind legs, bucking, throwing his head a little or a lot. And she feels that going faster is emotionally upsetting him. So she's wondering how you can begin and then advance with education so that he learns to regulate his emotions and stays calm. Remember, this is groundwork on on a line and also at Liberty. Um, and then Deborah is asking a question, which is very, very similar. She's doing groundwork, getting her horse to go from a trot to a canter. She's using a cue for this and she's struggling with the canter, especially on one particular side. He goes into a sort of a faster trot and she feels like she wants to get him to go into a canter without having to put an awful lot of pressure on him. She's wondering, is there another way or is it her leadership skills that are lacking? So both suggestions in that general area, you know, their goal is to get cantering on the ground. Could you help with them, please? Yeah, um, the the thing about cantering on the ground, like it's, it's one of those things that I guess um, some horses are going to find it easy, some horses are going to find it hard. Um, if you want to do a bit more groundwork and establish some good foundation, then it gets a lot easier to get a canter on the ground. Uh, and the thing that really upsets horses the most is most commonly when you want to get to a stage that you want to get the horse to canter online or at liberty, you tend to push them harder because they're trotting. So you push and you, you know, you might, you know, be shaking a flag. You might be, you know, using a stick, you might be doing all sorts of things. And there's a lot of energy, a lot of energy going towards your horse to get it to go. So a lot of energy going towards your horse is no different than having, you know, if you ever put a, a, a group of horses in a small area, like a round yard or something like that, or just yeah, there's cattle yards or whatever, and all of a sudden they're in each other's pockets and there's one that nearly starts pigging them over fences. And the other horses are petrified sometimes when you see that sort of happen. Uh, when you see it, when, when, when they're involved in it and it, it's just not nice to watch. So you've got to get them out of that situation as quick as you can before uh, horses end up getting hurt. So if you put a, a horse in a round yard and finally want it to run at a canter, the, the main thing people try to tend to do is put a lot of energy into their horse to make it go. And that's no different than that horse that's kind of pushing them, nearly pushing them over the fence. So it can be a, a real um, traumatic experience for horse and people just kind of fob it off and go, yeah, I know, you know, just, you know, so, um, I guess the quicker you get it, the, the, the more, the, 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 the more likely someone's going to back off. So I guess some people will push harder to get the canner quick and then they can back off. But the problem is it's basically you're wanting the horse to do something that maybe the foundation has not, we haven't done enough foundation to set it up to do it easy. So if I want a horse to feel good at finding a canner online, um, I'm going to do certain leading lessons and there's one particular leading lesson that works really good, but you have to commit to the horse learning how to follow a feel better. If you just sort of don't want to give the horse foundation um, and then you want it to canter, just so you can see it canter, then we're well, going to have to just chase it and hope for the best. But just remember that you could be deteriorating your relationship with your horse. So, um, so what I tend to do is I, I set up a leading lesson and um, 
So if your horse is following the feel of that lead rope pretty nice, what I try and establish is when I push that knot forward, the horse travels forward and it gets past that knot. And I'll get it to lead past my shoulder on a short line um, so I can get it to come up to my shoulder. And then I'll get it to a stage that I can walk, push, and the horse will just trot up beside me a little bit. And then I'll do a little corner, so I'll, I'll, I'll swivel around, and then the horse will end up with its eye behind me, and then I'll push that halter knot forward. The horse's eye will go past my shoulder, and then I'll swivel again until until the horse trots up, and then it feels like it's trotting up really free in that in that lead rope. And I'm not doing a lot of work because I'm just stepping up, pushing that lead rope, the horse trots up, and it gets really good at, at, at following that lead up. And actually what they start to recognise is the sooner I can get in front of his shoulder as he pushes that lead rope, um, the sooner they get to the to the mark, so they start chasing that that feel, and so they're following that feel. Um, and then what happens is, as you push them past your shoulder, you just pour that rope out, and they just send out on a on a sort of a out a bit further. And then when they're about two or three meters away, you swivel again, and then they end up out there a little bit behind your shoulder. And as you lift that leading hand, you'll see them wanting to sort of push forward to get in front. And soon enough, before you know it, you have your horse out on a longer line. And when you swivel and push and push that leading hand up, they'll, they'll sort of push to catch up a little bit. Um, and then they've got this idea that they're there to get in front their eye in front of your shoulder. That's how they sometimes gauge it. And I, I, I find that a really good lesson um, to, to get them leading better, hooking on to the idea of following the feel of the leading hand. But what ultimately ends up happening, um, they'll start to lift as your energy goes up because they'll see you step up and push and then they'll they'll push up as well at the same time. And then as long as they're in front of your shoulder with their eye, so you can set the speed. of well, What you're doing is you're setting the speed by uh, how quickly you swivel or how quickly you walk that little circle. Like you might be just walking around like a four-wheel drive type tyre size. And, and how quickly you walk and how quickly you swivel your shoulders, how quickly they're going to, kind of stay out and go go and, and and how big the circle is i suppose because you're on the smaller circle they're on the bigger circle and and i find that's a really good way to get them to rate you so if you slow down and then they'll slow down if you push and speed up they'll speed up and they start to to rate you a little bit there um so that's how you get them to hook onto that idea of following that but if my horse gets stuck i'll tend to turn and i'll push through that lead and, and put pole pressure on them to get them to push up um till they're really good at following that leading hand up it is harder takes a little bit more time, but by the time you get to the horse travelling out, they're actually a lot softer because you've killed two birds with one stone in the sense of the they're leading so much better. Whereas if you just send them out and chase them around circles, you know, half the time they're not even steering properly. So so this this way you're sort of getting them out and travelling now. It, it takes a bit of commitment. So when you want to get the canner, what you start to do is do a lot of transition. So you get the horse comfortable with up and down. So I might make them go really slow, then make them make them go faster, and then I'll bring them back again. So they get really, really good at that push up and then slow down and push up and then slow down. And you'll find they'll get to a stage they're pushing up really strong and nice every time you sort of swivel a little. Um, and then you get to the stage, you go, right, if I just push and step out strong now, that horse is going to really push up into canter when when i when i ask for it and don't get it on the first day or the second day i think this is where we go wrong we sort of think i've got to get the can and then we start dragging them again and they all end up back there and then we're back to chasing them and and it all can go pear-shaped but if you wait a little you get the horse really hooking on to the idea of pushing up and um and you just get it to a stage that you just push up and know that they're just about ready to canter and they'll pop into a little canner 
don't make them canter around and around and around. Just let them pop into the canter and just sort of then slow down again and just work on them going up and down in the trot, maybe back to walk. And then when you get another spot and always save yourself some rope. Uh, so by the time you get to that canter, they might want to ping out a little and, and maybe go straight. So save yourself a couple of metres so you can give them a headspace in that rope when they if they sort of suddenly jump into it a little bit you're not keeping them on the turn you've got more rope to to send them out a bit further if if they if they need to go out a little bit further so you're not trapping them uh and that's a that's a really good way to get them going now if you've got a horse that's quite dull when you're doing that push up transition you can hold a flag and when they dull out a little you can sort of pop that flag a little as you're pushing up and that'll make them sort of wriggle a little and push and put, bring a bit of sort of awareness in there. Then they'll push forward a little as, as that pole pressure comes on as you push them forward. But as I say, as they come past, you start to feed out that rope through your hand and they'll go out and they'll end up going out and catching a bigger circle every time. Um, there's a, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a, there's a few little videos that I've done on it on, on, on the, um, on the subscription, there's more that I'll, I will put on about more, more so detailed of that. But there's one of just a horse that I'm doing the same thing, just getting to push past my shoulder. And there's another horse um, at Howlong with a little buckskin horse where I'm, I'm getting them to just push up into canter and letting them travel a little. Um, but it takes a lot because they start to hook on and they're following a feel. It takes a lot of that. I'm chasing you out of them, so they're actually following your idea. Um, and I guess the thing I haven't probably covered is. That whole thing that I was just talking about there, I can do walking forwards, uh, walking a little circle. Then when they get really good, I can start to turn and face them like people would if they're lunging their horses. You know, people are sort of facing backwards or towards the horse a little and standing in the middle. Um, once they get soft, you can just lift that leading hand out as if you were lunging them and they'll follow that just as well. But the key is getting lots of little transitions where they get confident accelerating and then slowing down, accelerating and then slowing down. So they start and then all you're doing is pushing the bar higher and higher and higher. So if they accelerate really nice up a little bit in the trot, then back them off. And then until they get really, really smooth at that up, up, up. And then, as I say, you're just pushing it up a little, up a little bit. And then you might, you might give them one bigger squirt where you push a little stronger and then uh, or step a little stronger and then they'll you know, you're kind of you know, be pretty sure that they might get it. Um, takes a bit more time, but as I say, it's time well spent because you're not going backwards. You're actually teaching other stuff to your horses. Oh, sounds really good. Okay. Um, the next questions, again, there's two that we're going to merge together. They're from two different members who both have recently moved their horses and the, what's happening is that because of the change, when one horse has worked, the other horse that's left behind is showing high levels of separation anxiety. So for Melissa, it's been 12 months since they moved from the adjustment centre to their new home. And uh, despite um, her trying to do, you know, put one in the paddock close to where they're working so that they can still see each other, the anxiety is still there. So what she started to do is she's moved one horse into a paddock beside the other one just as part of their daily routine. She's wondering, is there anything else that she could possibly be doing? And then Hermini's also got a question. So she's also recently moved properties, but she also has a new horse. So it's not that the new horse is mean to her horse, um, but she's finding they do seem to groom each other and that sort of thing. But she does find that her mare is getting quite uptight and reactive, um, way more than her usual sensitive self. 
Um, so she's just wondering whether you can comment on whether there might be a link um, between is it because of the move or is it because of the new horse um, that maybe is causing stress and that is affecting how she's operating when she's in work. Yeah, I think she also um, might have mentioned uh, about about possibly separating a good idea too um, in that, um, which is important too because um, cause sometimes you could think if that other horse was stressing her out, separating might be a good idea, but it's one of those things that um, sometimes you've got to let time, you know, sometimes there are some horses that may never get along and you can't just put two horses together. So uh, first I'm going to sort of answer Hermine's because um, – uh, it's a, it's a probably a sort of fairly quick answer. Then I'll go on to the other one about the separation anxiety and separating two horses because they'll interlink in together a bit. Sure. But um, so if she was to sort of take that other horse away, then, you know, who knows what's going to happen. You could make it worse. Basically, her life's been disrupted from moving from an adjustment centre to another one and putting, putting with another horse. And this other horse is treating her a little bit differently. Um, I notice that sometimes he, he even pesters her when she's on the ground having a roll or something like that. But then other times they're, they're good friends. So, um, you, you know, it, it could be just you have to let time time maybe let them settle in and her settle into her new environment. And you know her well enough because uh, I know the mayor, and just for everybody else in the audience, the mayor's what I would call um, a very sensory mayor, uh, you know, like you'd almost say sensory processing, as in the sense of, you know, she she notices, you know, things, and, and uh, she's very, um, um, she has, um, you know, she can be very sensitive to changes in, in, in riding environments and pressures and things like that. Uh, some people will call it maybe highly strung, um, but but yeah, so this this mayor will, is she's going to be there's going to be a teething process. I'm hopefully for your sake and her sake, it's a teething process uh, where you just got to let it ride out. You know, you can't just you know I know it's hard for everybody. I oh, would just can't make magic herds everywhere that they can all just live in. So I'm hoping this new horse might just settle in and they'll settle in together. And you're just going to have to sort of keep it low key for a bit, uh, give it a little bit of time. Like um, you know, I've seen you know situations can take weeks. Um, and maybe months to, to settle in back back to normal. So you're just going to keep monitoring it, keep your finger on the pulse, notice notice that if they're getting on a bit better, as in the sense of he's leaving her alone a bit more, because he might be over. Uh, he, he might be going through the same thing too, and he's a bit over overzealous or whatever. And it could be because he's you know going through things too. Um, and he may not stay like that. She may not stay like that. So I guess you can just let it ride out a little bit. That's that's my advice. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take him away because the stress of that's all. So well, you're going to have to do it, go through all, all all of it again and find out, and that could make her stress for longer. So the fact that they're kind of getting along, they might just get along better, uh, and she might just start to get to the you know get used to the new environment. Um, this might take her a little longer, but but you know you you, you monitor well enough to keep your finger on the pulse. Um, maybe keep some of the work you're doing with a yeah a bit more low key in the sense of when you want to go and do stuff with her. Um, you know, don't overwhelm her too much, and just see if her she settles into her environment. Um, in that in that sense, I think leave it for a little while, and then maybe in another month, just let me know what's happening in the dynamics and stuff like that, and, and if there's been any changes. Um, and 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 regarding the first question um, about the separation of the two horses. Um, it's always the hardest thing. That one is is is. Um, I remember, you know, a question a while ago. Um, a, a similar thing is, if it's not 
the horse that you're taking out, the poor one that gets left ends up tearing up and down a fence line, stressed. And um, just, just uh, clar- can I just get some clarity, Jenny, on that? Was that because they've both been moved to a new environment too, or is just? Yeah, that's that's right. So they moved to a new property almost twelve months ago from an adjustment centre. So whether this yeah. now means that there's now less horses around, I'm just yeah. Well, that's another thing. Is um is uh, is did they come from a big herd, um uh, a slightly bigger herd, uh, into their new environment, and that could be one of the key factors because, um, you know, imagine. Imagine two horses that weren't designed to be CEO suddenly have to be CEO in a new paddock, you know, um, and that that can happen. You know, I've 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 heard stories um, of horses moving, uh, or a horse leaves their herd, and then all of a sudden everything's changed. The dynamics have changed. That's because one of those horses, like the old horse, dies. The one that's like the old confident one that just brings a certain confidence and leadership to the herd that, that, that made it stable. So, so I guess maybe they lost that instability and that makes them more fractious and, and it wasn't as noticed. And the other thing is, you know, because there's no horses left back in that paddock that are strong and capable of sort of maybe taking on a little bit more of, you know, I can live in this environment and think through situations. So you might have a horse that's left that's just going, well, geez, I can't do this on my own. So they're going to call a lot more and they're going to, and they're going to make you one, the one that you've got a lot more stressed. So, um, you know, the possibility of adding another horse could be a possibility that could um, create a better balance in there for them. Um, so, so there's a confident horse with the one that's left. Um, the other thing is when you're working your horse, just make sure you've got the other one close and, and work on some graded exposure. So maybe work just outside the paddock or bring that horse with you. Like you've, like you sort of kind of, I think you said that you were doing, uh, so they're kind of close working together. Um, the other thing I sort of say to people is, you know, if you take, leave the horse, that's not so confident, give it a bit of a distraction. So give it a brisket of hay while you just work there and then bring the horse back in 10 minutes and then maybe work it for 15 another day or, you know, and then put it back and just, um, slowly kind of show that horse that this horse is going to come back. I think, uh, th- though it may not be possible for you to just suddenly change the herd dynamics with a, with a click of a finger. Uh, what you will try and do is, um, what you will try and do is um, work on helping the horse that's left behind uh, cope until it gets better at coping. The other thing that's really good is any horse that's had good education usually gets better. And it's funny that because I, um, and I, I wouldn't have thought that years ago, but I've heard stories of people that have done a bit of work with me and their horses have let go of some big emotional baggage and then they've gone back and they've shifted they shifted into a different place in the herd and and they've changed in 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 their the dynamics around the others have changed and 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 maybe um i think it's really important to work both horses not just you know the one you want because the one that needs the help is the one in the in the paddock um especially if it's going to be you know screaming up and down all anxious so um each day you could swap around which horse you're working and doing exactly the same thing one horse is eating a bit of hay you're working the other one outside and you're just grading that exposure, uh, as in time and distance. So basically, all you're doing is um, putting the, you know, 
putting uh, working a horse in a place that the other one can see it and then putting them back together again, swapping that over and then uh, each day take them a little bit further away and bring them back and also then start to increase the time that they're apart. Um, as the other one gets more confident, you'll be able to go away longer. It's like going out on a trail ride. You're not going to go a long way if your horse is going to freak out. You might go a certain way, bring it back home, and the next day the horse will allow you to go further and further. And I think that's how I'd be sort of trying to combat that whole experience with them. And um, and as I say, the education will give both horses more confidence because um, good education um, sometimes sets up horses in their their, their, their outside environment um, away from us. So I think it's really important that you do it with the both of them. And But ideally, you know, you can you can find another horse to put in to maybe change the dynamics. Dynamics that might work, it may not work. But, um, you know, if they've come from a bigger herd, that they're, they're probably used to having another horse that's a bit more confident in there uh, that's kind of got their back, I suppose. Okay, good luck with that, Melissa, and let us know how it goes. Um, the next question, Mark, is from Tracy, and it's about... Uh, tips to prepare him for starting so this particular horse had a lot of anxiety and trust issues that she's been trying to build a connection with he does happily approach her in the paddock and he does look to her for comfort and safety in a lot of situations but she still feels that he isn't comfortable or trusting uh, definitely damaged previously by driving pressure uh, the use of a flag causes him to go into panic mode and um, her training over the past six months has been purely working on following a feel and a connection. So nice work, Tracy. Well done. But in a couple of months, he's been going to a trainer who shares a similar philosophy to you, Mark, and she wants to set him up for success as much as she can. So what can you recommend? What are the best things for her to focus on to try and prepare for what will be undoubtedly a very stressful time? Some people say don't do anything if they go to a trainer, especially if it's a good trainer. But sometimes people have got to do a bit to go to a trainer who's not a good, who, who would go on a different philosophy or, you know, start chasing them around. So the better set up, set up they are, the, the less trauma they might go through. So it's, it's funny, there's two takes to it. So what, what you don't want to be doing is uh, you want to, like, by the sounds of it, you're on the right track to helping your horse go, uh, like, understand pressure. Um, basically, um, Really, all I'd be doing to keep it simple and is just get your horse lead leading up well, and you know, just just so they don't pull back. Because the trainer, you, you as a trainer, like you never have enough time to do as much as you'd like for the client. Um, but then you don't want a client doing too much that you have to undo. And I'm not saying you're going to undo anything, but there's one thing that some trainers may not like, and I and I would be one of those is the horses are overhandled and undereducated, as in they suddenly get to the sort of, you know, oh, crikey, people are going to expect something of me now, but they've they've sort of run the show at home a little bit, and that's where the horses kind of get a little bit sour education and hang on boundaries and what's this sort of thing. So as long as in what you're doing you're setting certain boundaries and keeping the horse soft and interested uh, but still um, keeping a bit of desire in it, that's always sort of handy. Um, but with that fear, something I'd probably be working on by the sounds of the fear of driving pressure and stuff like that is I uh, and the thing that, as I just said before, trainers don't get to do enough of is getting a horse to sort of, you know, just lead up soft, back up, lead up. And when you when you say, can you come up strong with that lead, the horse comes up strong and it just comes through nice and it leads really well. Um, and, you know, that means that's sort of established and it's a lot better. And the, and the sooner they can sort of put them on a rail or something like that, the sooner, you know, things will happen there. 
But the other thing, because of the fear, is um, I would be probably using that leading, just get the horse come by on both eyes, built because the horse is going to have to go to a new person and that new person might be a bit frightening uh, because it is a new person if, if the horse has been damaged by, by, by someone else chasing it. Um, so I do a lot of leading by lessons where the horse just walks by calmly and you can handle it and it's getting used to you down all the way down its sides um, and it leads by soft, goes down the sides and you're starting to take away that real flinchy sort of step away behaviour so the horse can sort of quickly start to, you know, understand that pressure's not going to chase it. So little things like maybe waving a flag a little bit and then maybe saying, oh, lead and follow me do this. Um, don't get it to hunt the flag or run towards the pressure. Not that that wouldn't be what I would be asking, but just get start to take away that fear of drive. So, so you know, if they, if the trainer does put it under a bit of pressure or anything like that, the horse is not automatically going. I'm going to I'm going to escape. Um, just little things to sort of you know combat that sort of thing and get it better down both sides, both eyes, um, and just the basic handling. You know, just that 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 if you're okay picking up its feet do a little bit more of that sort of stuff um, because at the end of the day, the quicker they can get up um, and get on them and start to to sort of ride them, then, then maybe the more rides they get under saddle, uh, which is always advantageous. So if they spend, if they've got to spend, you know, five or six lessons or more with this horse kind of not letting them down their sides or still kind of wanting to skedaddle every time there's a bit of pressure, then um, if you've sort of done that and they can step in a little quicker, then, yeah, you, you, you're getting... Um, a little bit more done while they're at the trainer, especially in the department of, of, of more solid rides and stuff. So, so yeah, just get that bit of uh, wariness down the sides and the fear of that driving pressure a little bit, you know, ease that off a bit. Um, and, and yeah, just, but, but don't just, don't just get them sort of like some people so quiet that they're just standing still and not, you know, that they sort of just end up in another state that, that, that they're not going to move. I would say keep them moving and soft so, so, so moving and thinking still something that they're really okay with. And, uh, yeah, I, I think you'll be fine. Wow. That's great. Lovely. That's a really nice answer. Thank you very much, Mark. And thank you for the questions, everyone. It's great to hear from, from you that's coming through and, um, anyone that's interested in asking Mark a question, you just got to jump online and become a, a member. Okay. Thank you, Mark. And we'll talk to you again soon. You can learn more from Mark online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. There's over 380 training videos which everyone has access to with a seven-day free trial. If you like what you see, it's just $15 a month from there. That's help where you need it.